The Ensemble podcast is intended for professional financial advisors. This content is created in partnership with our sponsor, Zurich Australia Limited, ABN 92000-010-195, AFSL 232-510, and is limited to publicly available information. Before acting on any general advice, you should consider whether appropriate and obtain financial advice from a qualified financial advisor. Ensemble does not hold an AFS license and does not provide any financial advice or services or endorse any general advice. If a PDS or IM exists, you should obtain a copy and review it thoroughly before making a decision. Hi, I'm Andrew Rocks from Ensemble and I'm thrilled to be bringing to you uh, the podcast Engine Room that's devoted entirely to the practices or the business of the business of financial advice. Over the course of the next many months, we're going to be interviewing Australia's best independent boutique advice firms, their practice managers, their GMs, on what environment is conducive to being a best practice, how they keep talent, how they attract talent, and what the future of financial advice is. It's the Engine Room Podcast. Welcome aboard. Zurich is proud to be supporting this episode. The Zurich and OnePath Advisor portal is more efficient than ever before, giving you access to two leading brands with three highly sought-after products, underpinned by two powerful underwriting engines, all with one simple sign-on, making it easier for you to do business and perform at your best. Hi, my name's Andrew Rocks, and welcome to the Engine Room podcast by Ensemble. Today, we're joined... Um, with a little legend, uh, Belinda Good from Boutique Advisors in WA. Uh, good afternoon, Belinda. How are you? Hi, Roxy. I'm great. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. And and look, part of this um, is getting to meet practice uh, practice and general managers, and um, and actually lifting lid on the industry, and uh, really putting putting a bit of power behind the people who really drive financial planning. So. Um, I know that we've got a lot of people, you know, eager to hear your story. So maybe just give us an idea of of how you've got to be where you are and then how you've managed to get to that position of uh, general manager inside your advice practice. Over to you, Belinda. Sure. Well, I'm a girl from Tassie. Uh, grew up there and I started in the bank, as a lot of people do in the industry, um, straight out of school uh, and moved to Melbourne uh, with the bank in 1999 and worked across a few different organisations and institutions whilst living there. In uh, 2005, I moved back to Tassie and secured a job with the financial planning team back at Westpac, uh, supporting two senior advisors, so mainly admin but with a few MS-DOS quote life insurance quotes on the old system for the guys. <laughs> Post that, I was headhunted for a power planning role by an XBT BDM, uh, Tim Scott, and he moved back to Tassie to um, join with another guy and set up his uh, own firm, Ford Scott, uh, in Hobart. And that was my real learning and development into the industry. So, uh, power planner there, and and then and, from and, there. And I'll... Belinda, what year was that um, that you were doing power planning? That would have been two thousand and. Five two thousand and six. Okay. okay, about then. Cool, yeah, cool. so quite a while ago now. Um, and yeah, then I wanted to move back up to the northwest coast and managed to get a job with ANZ as an advisor, which was great deal at the time. And looking after based out of Burnie Branch, but also looking after Wynyard and Smithton and the west coast. Uh, so you know, came with the car and the laptop and the phone and all those things that they used to do back then. 
Um, and then as a result of the GFC, I was one of the lucky ones who got a redundancy and uh, no compliance uh, breaches on my record that they could find <laughs> and then made the move back to Melbourne, which is where I ended up working with Zest Advisors, uh, which was with Todd Clifford and Asia Pike. Very good. Operations assistant with them. And that sort of morphed into an ops manager role when Aisha moved on um, and moved over to WA herself. So that's where I sort of really found my niche uh, with them and and moved back to Tassie with them as well and just maintained that role because we had uh, offices in Tassie and Melbourne. So so tell me, I mean, I'm, I'm jotting this down. So you kicked off your career in administration, which is quite normal, then into power planning, then you actually went into financial planning. Yes. And then you've then you've changed gears back and you've done operations yes. <laughs> again, and then and then so where did you go to from there? So um uh, and 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 I see a lot of bass straight jumping by the way in this yes. one. So it's um but yeah. So as we speak now, you're you're, you're back in in an ops managing. Um, and where did that take you? Yeah. So the role that I came to with boutique was seven years ago, December last year. So uh, ops manager initially was my title here. And uh, during that time, more so when we moved to our own license in 2020, it was when I sort of, my role morphed more into the general manager role uh, with that addition of the self-license management side of things as well. And and did Boutique have um, this particular role or was this a role that you have evolved into? The operations manager role was already existing, yeah. uh, so I, I replaced someone who'd left the business and uh, then it was a matter of really nutting out what needed to be changed, refined, added to with the business to help it sort of grow and become more efficient, especially around the processes and procedures, which is sort of what I find I've got quite a strong point and experience with. And do you find because because you have had experience as an advice giver, you've been at the coalface, do you find it more difficult or do you quite often second guess yourself when you're trying to, I suppose, herd the cats that quite often can be the, the client-facing advisors who we all love and who are all listening, but um, did you find that a, a benefit having that experience or a, a hindrance? Definitely a benefit. Uh, I think that there's a lot that you can help bridge the gap between the admin the admin staff and the advisors. I think a lot of the time the advisors, through no fault of their own, think that things are quite easy to get done for clients. And then when you talk to the client managers and support staff, they're like, um, yeah, nah, <laughs> this is a little bit more detailed than what you <laughs> you think it's going to be. So coffees and whiteboards. That's, uh, that, <laughs> yes. that's exactly right. Well, I mean- Look, we're all, it's all part of the ecosystem and that's the purpose of, of, of this series is, is, you know, we want to look at what's the positive evolution of financial advice and, 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 you know, how advisors have moved forward. But, you know, they just can't do it without a good platform. Um, so you've, you, yourself, you've moved your entire family over to WA sort of seven or eight years ago. Oh, it was just me. My husband, my now husband was here already. Right. So yeah, yeah, packed up and gave it a shot. And he's, um, his daughter is here as well. So it was sort of like, oh, well, I'll just give it a go. Perfect. Nothing to lose. <laughs> Perfect. And, 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 and you're here now running quite an impressive business. And, um, with, with that in mind, the, the, the company that you're with now that, that you've found, you know, a real home boutique, maybe give us a bit of an idea of, of, of that business. Um, you know, where it is today and, and maybe sort of the influence that you feel that you've had on it growing here and, 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 and into the future. 
So we're a team of about 28 at the moment. Uh, we've got um, eight advisors, uh, then we've got associates and also support staff um, within the business. So it's sort of led by myself and Gary Hasler, the managing director. Uh, we're the sort of two leaders, but we're not in the sense leadership on the top down. So it's it's very much a everyone's involved in decision-making and where we want to make changes to the business, we create impact groups so that everyone has a voice and to the direction that Boutique takes or any changes that we may look to adopt. So we've been around uh, this July, it'll be 20 years for Boutique, which is super exciting um, and that's a massive feat in any business, let alone um, financial planning, particularly with the way things have gone over the last few years. So we're really excited about the next phase for us as well. And and before we get into the nitty gritty, you mentioned something very interesting there about the way you, the management style that you have, and um, and you know I think sometimes the stereotype of the, the the chief operating officer or the GM is the fun buster, right? So the the CEOs, the visionary, they're they're doing whatever they want, and and then and you know you come in and be a bit of doctor. No, we're not doing that. But so. Uh, you have a collaborative approach with with your your, your CEO, and and um, when you mention your socialised decisions, how, how do you how do you mean that? Like, what what does that mean? Uh, look, I definitely feel like I am the, <laughs> the uh, doctor. No, sometimes I they only mentioned the other day that I feel like all I'm ever doing is telling people that they're not doing things the right way, which can sometimes just that's just part of the role, unfortunately. But fortunately, as well, you can help try and guide people. But we're very much. If we look at things to do or change with with teams, then we will certainly involve those members of the team because there's no point in me dictating how all things should be done because they're the ones doing it day in, day out. So there are always going to be things from a business or a licensee perspective where we need to tell them how things have to be done. But in terms of processes and, and how things work best, it's the people who are in those seats doing it day in, day out that are the better judge of how things work and will work for the better uh, to make their lives easier. And and you mentioned a bit about the, the scale of the business um, and, and the, the advisors. Are you are purely, or maybe give us an idea of where you'd fit in the marketplace. Are you a multidiscipline practice? Are you specifically financial advice? Just give us the, the boutique advisors sort of perspective um, if I was a client. Yes, so we are a holistic financial advice business. Uh, we do have specialists uh, in that we've got a broker that we deal with exclusively uh, to refer our business to and also with insurance um, side of things as well. So we have varied niches across our advisor team as any practice would with that amount of advisors, um, but we sort of... Uh, target clients, I guess, are around professional families and, you know, executives or business owners or professional individuals even. Um, so that's that sort of where we're targeting, but our existing client base is wide and varied uh, due to our advice advisor team being wide and varied as well. Uh, but they all do have their own niches as well. No worries. And, and you know, what, what kind of process does your boutique have with their with their clients and and um and how that relates to how you organize the back office, you know, organize the fulfillment and whatnot. So maybe give us an idea of of um how a client comes on board, um, the process they go through, anything that you think's unusual or special um would be really useful as well. Sure. So we take our clients through our boutique five pillars journey. 
Uh, so we have built a really strong advice process around the, the goals, uh, purpose and legacy needs for our clients. And we spend time to really understand and model out for them all their options that will help them to meet those needs. So we have anywhere from one to six meetings with clients initially uh, from that you know, conversation zero, where we have an initial phone conversation with them uh, to the next steps through that that five pillars that we refer to. And that from there then stems through to the support from uh, our power planner, Sarah, and also um, the client manager team and the associate team that work closely together. So we work in a pod basis um, with our business. So we've got advisors, client managers, associates that work together as a team. So you've got one one advisor, one um, client manager and mm-hmm. an associate um, and then you refer out to a pooled power planning for advice delivery, is that right? Correct. Okay. So we just have the one power planner, Sarah, yeah. who's an absolute gun, so she's busy all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so the three work together with the pod, but depending on client numbers, there may be some uh, client managers split across two advisors and same with the associates as well. But we always have an advisor and associate in every client meeting. And given the length of time this business has been around, 20 years, uh, is the majority of of the advice retaining existing clients? And if so, um, how many uh, family groups does does your advisors look after in that pod system? Depends. Uh, Depends on the type of clients that that advisor is dealing with. Uh, so we've got, you know, Neil, one of our retiree clients, uh, advisors, he's probably dealing with about 140 client groups, whereas we've got uh, one of our new business advisors who's still bringing on new clients to the business and she's probably sitting at around 35 client groups at the moment as she continues to grow. So the more strategic, less clients, obviously, that the advisor will manage because there's more time that they need to spend on that um, on those clients. And um, in relation to uh, you know, some other information, what, what's the tech stack that you um, operate your business with? So we've got Xplan for our source of truth uh, and our advice docs modeling, all of that jargon, because really there's not that many other options <laughs> that are all encompassing. And then for our CRM side of things, we utilize Zeppo. So when we moved to our own license, we adopted that. Uh, that was a great uh, tool and a similar style to the X plan, but was able to provide some cost savings as well uh, and more flexibility for our team who use it. And, and in relation to moving to your own license, um, that was 2020, I think you mentioned. Um, how, how do you run? Because you're, you're general manager, not just through the advice process, you're obviously getting oversight with the AFSL as well. Um, how do you run your, your license efficiently? So we deal with AFSL compliance with Stuart Chandler. So he was a, he's a great support to our business. So he helped us do the license application, everything from woe to go. So provides quarterly updates for us and reviews with advice documents. And we've just gone through a bit of a change with our advice document template. So he's reviewing all of that along the way for us as well. So he makes a very seamless process to be able to manage our own or pay for sale. Shout out to Stuart. Um, yes. And, and when, um, uh, when you're actually placing business, does your, does your AFSL, is it wholesale or retail? Do you use MDAs or SMAs? Maybe just give us a bit of a feel. Imagine that I was an advisor in your business and, and, and you're sort of laying out all the tools I've got. 
What's kind of, how does it look for your particular business? Yes, yeah, so we've created our own investment philosophy and in line with that, we engaged Zenith uh, Investment Partners to create our own SMAs and we basically engaged with Macquarie as the platform to move those SMAs to. Uh, that was all in line with us moving to our own AFSL as well. Uh, that was something that was really important to us as a business. So we've got an internal investment committee as well. And then we meet with uh, Zenith quarterly uh, to discuss any changes or recommendations. And, and um, you know, people always hear about that as a strategy, but on the ground operationally, has it actually achieved the operational efficiencies that, that you guys desired when you sought out to, to sort of run that type of um, platform? Most definitely. Uh, there's a, a lot that it removes the need for, particularly around additional advice uh, when changes are made or it makes it so much easier to be able to have those changes applied and it just takes a whole lot of uh, burden back off the client manager team and the, the, and the associates, uh, the, the additional things they don't need to be doing any longer. Yeah, great. And look, the clients only get the value from what they see, which is, um, um, you know, never, never has never changed. And- Absolutely. Now you're in you're in Perth, Western Australia. Um, you've got 28 people. Are they all located in the one office, or your multi offices? Tell me a little bit about where 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 you guys are located and sort of what the vibe is. Yes, so we're in Subiaco. Uh, everyone works in the office. We do have a couple that uh, occasionally will work from home. We were very lucky with COVID that it didn't really affect things with us and having to move, you know, home and work for one or two years. So we are very grateful for that. So out of that, really for us, it hasn't changed things from that requirement of employees to really still maintain some of that. Uh, in saying that though, life admin happens and you can't always make things work for you during working hours. So that helps that we've got that flexibility uh, that people can work from home if they need to due to tradesmen or what have you that they need to be um, at home for during the day. So, yes, in, in Subiaco and uh, we're also going to be expanding and uh, doing a bit of an office refit as well. So, we'll be having a bit more of a, a cooler space and a nice breakout area for our staff to be able to take time away from their desk for their lunch break and introduce a table tennis uh, tournament every Friday afternoon, So, which will be a lot of fun. <laughs> Perfect. I can, uh, I can feel a tech firm coming on. And a big shout out to all the... Um, all the Victorian and New South Wales people who had to uh, be at home for the last three years. Um, it definitely was a little bit of a different experience out west. Um, moving gears a little bit, um, thank you very much for giving us an overview uh, of your of your business. It is an established business and it's it's well done. Um, I, I've actually had a bit of a stalk on the um, on the website and you've won a few awards. So yes. um, maybe maybe take us through. Not just what you've what you've won, but I suppose why you go in them. Because ultimately, you know, it's a bit of a thought bubble quite often from the leader to go in an award, and they they dump it on the general manager to actually do it. So, so of the awards that you've been in, um, and you can disclose those, which are the ones that you gained the most benefit out of the process? Luckily for me, a lot of that is led by Gary, which is really good. So I definitely provide oversight and input into that. But probably the one that really resonated and and made the team really proud and myself super proud was the um, nomination for professional practice of the year last year with the FPA. So that was just a real testament to what we've put in over the last few years, particularly since moving to our own AFSL. 
the team that we've really built and the business and the process that we've really built because even though we didn't win, even being a finalist was just enough for us to know that we're on the right path and that we're doing all the right things to progress and really stand out, I guess, in a little way into how we do advice and and deal with our clients. And, and look, I really think the FPA and the AFA over the years who have run those 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 practice orientated uh, awards have done a really good thing for the industry. You know, it is um, it, it's good to have aspirational goals, and it's good to go through that that process. So, just um, ch- changing gears again, let's talk about what it's like to work, um, not just in, in 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 boutique, but but in relation to your team. And maybe I suppose the the questions I like to ask are, um, you know, why do people join you? Why do they stay? Why do they grow? And why do they go? And the last one could be they go because you want them to. So so why <laughs> they join, why they stay, why they grow? Culture is huge for us. So it's one of those things even like I talked about with having everyone involved and having a voice, it's really important that people feel that for us. But we gain people because of who we are as a business and the people that we are and what we've built from a culture perspective if we are recruiting for a role, we don't just put a bum on a seat um, just for the fact of filling it. We really take the time to make sure that the people that are coming on board are the right fit for us and they will be with us for the long term. And what does the right fit look like, Belinda? Varies, but just smart, talented people who really are passionate about the industry and passionate about financial advice. Uh, it it is getting harder to find good people. Uh, it has been quite a tight market in, in Perth over the last probably 12 months. Uh, probably our hardest role to recruit for are client managers because they are very unique and bespoke in, in their roles and, and their experience. So the team that we've got now, most of them have been with us for five plus years. So they love their job and the people, you know, why people do stay and, and grow with us is because we give them opportunities to internally grow should they want to uh, and throughout a transition of uh, if they've wanted to move into a more of an advice-focused role. Most of our client managers are brilliant at what they do and they're happy to stay doing that role. And and you know what, with because um, we all know what advisors do and how they get trained their CPD points and a lot of us know our power plan is what they do and and what we can do to train them but in relation to client managers I think they're kind of uh, I, I think they're almost a blind spot in our industry so there's no real forum for training them they don't get invited along to power planning conferences they don't get invited there if you could wave a magic wand um, uh, Belinda what would you what kind of things would you like to see our industry instill for the operations and client managers who are generally specialist at what they do in financial planning? And what kind of support would be awesome um, as an industry for them to be able to have? Definitely. When I was with Zest, uh, Genesis introduced uh, practice managers forums as part of the PD days and conferences and the likes, and they were so beneficial to meet with other like-minded people. Recently, Simon Burke has actually kicked that off in WA because he deals with us all the time. So we've now got a practice managers forum for Perth-based uh, PMs, GMs, ops managers, and I will next one I go to, I'll be taking one of my senior client managers with me. I think that kind of sharing of knowledge is 
are really is really lacking in the industry because I think client managers have so much to offer and so much to give, particularly with fund managers and platforms and the likes because they're the ones day in, day out that are working and dealing in those systems and I think that there's not enough feedback that's gained. They talk to the advisors and the advisors don't use them. So, it's why, why talk to them? <laughs> You need to talk to the people on the ground to Whiteboards actually and find coffees. out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's I, look. I'm I'm coming from a defendable position, and I was that person for a long time. And if we had a dollar every time a a, 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 a you know a well-intended person from a, a fund manager or a life insurer sort of said, "How can we help your practice?" Well, it sounds like the answer is actually help grab the client managers, mm-hmm. give them some tools, give them some resources, because yeah. that's what the engine room's all about. These days, the practices of the present that are achieving goals for clients, and how I preface that is, is that it's you have to be so efficient to be able to deliver a good quality advice at an affordable or actually even a palatable price yeah. to clients. So um, it really, I think you're right, practice management forum, this podcast, getting that awareness that, that it takes a village uh, to raise to raise an advisor who looks after the client is 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 part of the journey, isn't it? Oh, definitely. And now client managers are involved in the in the meetings with the uh, with the clients towards the end. You know, they'll they'll go into the SOA presentation meeting and they'll complete all the implementation with the client, and they'll also sit in on the comfort meeting that we have with our client to make sure that they've got all their online access set up and everything's all ready to go and and kick off. But internally for us as well, it's around making sure that they've got that bit extra to do outside of their day-to-day job. So some of the things that, you know, I've pushed down, there was a lot I had to get off my plate to be able to help me help the business. So um, there's a couple that we've sort of promoted to senior client managers and some of those tasks and duties I was doing, I've pushed down to them because they're smart, brilliant people. So that makes sense. And is there anything in our process of operations with our suppliers that just irritate you, that could just be done better? Not off the top of my head, but I know if you asked my team, they would definitely say that. The length of time it takes for insurance to get through, <laughs> that's that's one of the gripes. Um, and there's just, I think there's always ways to make things better and, and do things better, particularly when it comes to uh, platforms and processing and forms and and some of the restrictions that get pushed back on practices in terms of what they need and just being able to work with them. So Macquarie have been great with how we've dealt with them and we've got our account manager who comes out and spends time with us and to really more spends time with the client manager team because they're the ones Perfect. dealing with it and working with it. So. Oh, that sounds awesome! And so, um, with your recruitment process, you meant you you um sort of insinuated that you outsource that. You've got a a person or a go to in relation to recruiting for your business. Yeah, so we predominantly deal with Simon Burke. Uh, we but we also have a careers section on our website as well. So we've actually had a few people contact us directly uh, from that as well, uh, which also is linked into with our evolution program. So that is a program that we've designed to be able to bring on new graduates to our practice uh, as a result of them finishing uni. Uh, Curtin University in WA offers the financial planning degree uh, standalone. So uh, we had the end of 2021, we had Andrew Pope join us. He was our first 
Cab Off the Rank uh, with the Evolution Program and he joined us as a fresh new graduate out of uni and now we actually have two guys uh, who are live candidates going through the Evolution Program with so, Boutique. So- the, this is something boutique specific, the evolution program. Correct. So, have, have you have you done something with Curtin University, or what's the what's the affiliation, or it's just absolutely convenient that it's around the corner and 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 ready to go. A bit of both. So, as a result of Andrew coming on, we we sort of looked at it and thought, well, how can we do this and continue to bring on people, maybe one or two graduates a year, to help backfill. Uh, we've got some of our associates now who want to progress to an advisor role. So with that, we need to be able to bring people through um, and what better way to bring them through and teach them the way we do business and our advice process. And now this year, I think uh, Gary will be guest lecturing at uh, one of the uh, sessions at the uni, but also just sharing about boutique and what we do. So as I said, we've got two guys who've just started. So they sort of will spend time with each of the teams within the business because it's important that they understand how everything works within boutique. They don't just jump straight into an associate role. They'll spend time with the client manager team, really understand that role, what they do, and then transition into the associate role, learn that role, and then eventually they'll be aligned with an advisor. So you mentioned you're uh, you know, a lot of uh, organic growth of your advice network or your advice team, sorry. Yes. Does boutique in the market for for, for looking at maybe established advisors who um, might really enjoy advising their clients but are maybe in an environment that's subscale or, or doesn't have the efficiency? Is, is that something that, that, that you guys are, are, are in the market for or have done? We have in the past, definitely, uh, because we all, the way that we look at things is that we are always open to talking to talented, smart people, no matter whether we've got a role available or not. Uh, a lot of the time, some of those discussions do take a little while to come to fruition anyway. So uh, it's something that we have always sort of stood by and just said, we never say no. So even with dealing with Simon, you know, he might just flick us across a resume and go, look, I know you're not actively looking, but I've come across this great candidate, great advisor, if you want to have a chat with them. So it's something that we are always open to for sure. And and look, take me through. So take me through sort of ha- the business of the business. So do you, you know, as the GM, do you have meeting rhythms with your team? Uh, are you a list person? Are you guys, uh, give me an idea of how you manage the people in your team so that they can achieve their goals. We have lots of meetings. Uh, we have, uh, but it ranges from everything from all in team meeting every fortnight to keep everyone abreast and update with what we're doing Advisors meet once a month to go through their sales and we also have an alternate uh, monthly strategy technical meeting with the advisors and associates. Then each of the teams uh, we meet with, with the client manager teams and we have the associate team meetings as well. And then individually the pods meet once a week to be able to go over their workflow and what's happening with the calendars and make sure they're on top of the work. So that keeps everyone, everyone knows what's going on. We, we, We always want to be transparent and open with the team and not everyone to sort of say, I didn't know that and no one told me. And and, and how do you celebrate success? Oh, we do lots of fun things, Roxy. We've done trips to Bali. We've done 
family Christmas functions where we will go and do, I think last year we did 80s 10-pin bowling. Everyone dressed up. We had a great time. We do monthly morning teas where we celebrate birthdays, anniversaries. Uh, one of our associates, Adi, recently got married, uh, so we celebrated that. Uh, we have Friday afternoon drinks sometimes. Uh, we took helicopter ride over to Rotto for our Christmas party a couple of years ago. We're big on celebrating when we've done some really amazing things and to really celebrate and thank the team uh, for their input and, and what they've done. We don't sort of really do bonuses as such and things, but, you know, we'll um, maybe end of fin year or Christmas time we might, you know, surprise the team with some gift cards and things to just say thanks. And and, and the other thing is, like, these days um, working for someone's not just about getting an income. Um, and I know that um, you guys are a certified great place to work. And and part of that um, is also, you know, you mentioned you've got things like the evolution program for young people, but, you know, what what your purpose is, what your, what your, your, your I suppose, impact on the community, your giving, maybe I have had a bit of a look there. You guys definitely are in that, but maybe just give us a bit of a feel of, of how you guys have structured, you know, your giving back. Um, and, and how you've involved your team members um, in that because um, I think it really matters. Mm. So we've um, this year created the Boutique Advisors Philanthropic Fund. So that has been uh, – that's run and managed from by the Fremantle Foundation, uh, which is a, a not-for-profit that Gary has been heavily involved with and was the chairman for a long time with them. And out of that, we've formed an impact group. So we meet – Every sort of couple of months, really, to go through what we what we want to our giving theme for the quarter. So we have four giving themes uh, with the philanthropic fund. Uh, so we've got community, financial literacy, health and wellbeing, and next gen. So we're just coming to the end of our financial literacy uh, quarter, and we've there's a, a great company called Communicare that we will be or an organisation that we will be looking to. Um, lend our or give our quarterly donation to. Uh, but in line with that as well, we'll be looking to um, tee up some presentations for their staff. And also we're running some workshops uh, for our existing clients, children, grandchildren, young people uh, related to them uh, that our advisors can just run through some really basics. You know, we're targeting those those kids who are just starting their first job or just coming out of school and they need to know about what is super, how can I save my money, what do I do to have to do to save for a house, all of that, just something that we can give back and and provide that to our existing clients as a nice value add. Well, look, absolutely. And the irony is lost on no one that it takes a philanthropic effort to teach mm. basic literacy that should be taught in schools. So this it's is not really. the podcast for that, but there's plenty of <laughs> there. But but um, if anyone's listening, uh, yet again, another example of where preventative sort of teaching of, of financial literacy at schools would be a, a good thing. Um, good. And you've got 28 people in your team. Do you find that 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 this uh, do you find that that this sort of brings them together? Because um, is it is it a democratized choice of 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 where you guys focus your energies and 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 fundraising, or is it sort of are they part of part of a, a development team there? Yeah. So the the impact group that we created within the business has got representatives from each of the. You know, we've got a couple of advisors, associates, and client managers who are part of that, and together we make the decisions on 
you know, everyone will come with suggestions and we put it out to the team as well. Uh, and part of our monthly morning tea is that everyone donates at least five bucks to come along and that money goes into the fund as well. So they've, everyone's contributing. Uh, and in line with that too, our team have also got uh, two volunteer days a year that they can avail of should they wish. Uh, so be it something through the philanthropic fund or a cause that's specifically, you know, close to their heart. Uh, they can do that as well. So that was very well received when we introduced that. Uh, a lot of the team came back and just said, such a fantastic idea and really appreciate it. And just, I suppose, a, 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 a bit of a searching question. What have been the, what have been the failures when you rolled out stuff to, um, as, as, the, as the GM? So what have been your, your misstarts or your failures? And maybe the reason I, why they'd ask that is that, that hopefully – there are other practice managers listening to this and they can learn from it. So, yeah, tell us your blunders. <laughs> uh, there was one that was sort of kicked off before I just before I started my role here. Which oh, was well a, played. A, <laughs> well played. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was something that we persisted with for, for 12 months and it was a move to another CRM. Uh, I won't mention it, uh, but it was just something that just did not work for us and it, was, it put us back and it was just – Unfortunately, it wasn't aligned with when I was starting here and what I was told was happening, and so that sort of brought things undone. So the so the classic move of licensees, move of CRM, bimfire conversation. Yes. So, um, but we, but, but, but so you're saying that put you back twelve months? Is that what you just said? Well, we it, we persisted with it for twelve months to try and you know adapt it and take it on. And, and what was just, what was the, without naming? What was the thing that was 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 a wrong with it? And in hindsight, was always wrong with the way in which you wanted to use it. It just didn't support a business of our size. It, there was just not enough grunt in it, and there was too much that was still a manual, a lot of manual handling uh, with it. So yeah, it was just something that it was just a step backwards for us to try and take that on. And then so we basically yeah unwound it all and ended up moving back to X Plan anyway and and keeping on with that. So, but a lot of the time I think there's always things that you you sort of go let's give it a go and that didn't work. Uh, we've done it a few times um, in terms of power planning. We've tried to sort of get some additional support for Sarah, be it with a with a contractor or the likes and. The way that we do our business, it is very hard to outsource. We don't. We use a very a shell of a template, really. Uh, but it, our SOAs are telling a story, and there's less tables than what there are, and it's not a tick box selected licensee version. You know, big licensee version of an SOA, uh, which is what we've put together. So we find that that's quite hard to outsource. Uh, we've tried it a couple of times, but it's just ended up taking much more longer than what we anticipated it to. So, and do you find that heavy lifting's done by your client managers or, or your associates? In terms of, of of assisting with 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 the preparation and assisting with your power planning, then Sarah just basically does them all herself. So she just takes it all back on board. So we do a email ROA. So where our associates are sort of they take care of those. Um, but in terms of our written ROAs and our statements of advice, they're all dealt with by Sarah. So, so I'm not sure when this podcast is going to launch, but Sarah, just a shout out there, 
I'd be I'd be booking my my annual review with your boss um, for the next day. So um, if we were playing a Sarah drinking game, we probably would have had quite a few. So no, shout out to Sarah and to all the other power planners out there who are who are complimenting um, those advice practices. Um, so, so if I was to ask, uh, you know, sum up your culture um, or the culture in in your office, and you are all in the office, in a couple of words, what would you say? Supportive open and fun and the which which by the way is awesome okay and i do like the fact that you started with supportive yes it ain't fun just because it ain't fun when you've got no resources and you've got no structure Uh, regardless of how zany everyone is in the office if you have to stay back just to make up for inefficiencies it's not fun and and the whole purpose of of building good quality practices is allowing everyone to work at their best and highest use, allowing advisors to advise and everyone else to do to their job. Now, on that, how do you judge if your team are doing a good job? Do you use, uh, do you have like um, 360 reviews? Do you have job descriptions? You know, if you're running the shop, Belinda, how do you know if your people are doing the right thing? And and, and um, what does success look like? So from a workflow perspective, are we... I monitor everything via Zeppo um, and workflow and what we've got going on and we've also managed all of our our leads and our sales through there as well. So we can see how long things have been sitting there. So the idea of the pods is that things don't sit there too long and that they have those meetings each week to make sure things are on track. And from a review side of things, we catch up and do um, face-to-face reviews every formally every 12 months for the annual, uh, which includes the salary review as well. And then every six months after that, every usually before Christmas, we'll just catch up for an informal and see where people are heading. As I said, uh, we've got that path, you know, pre-2019, we didn't have associates in the business. So there is now a real clear path if people do want to progress. So uh, earlier this year, late last year, we had one of our client managers who moved from a client manager role into an associate role, uh, which is great. As I said, there's quite the majority left of our client managers are happy to remain in that client manager role. They really enjoy that. They don't have any desires to become associates or advisors. And same with our associates as well. Even with the evolution program, the idea of bringing on the graduates isn't necessarily for them to want to be an advisor one day. They may get into the associate role and just go, I just love this. I don't want to actually be face-to-face with the clients advising, but I'm happy to be there in a support role because you still need really solid, great associates as well who are content to remain in that role because we can't support people progressing through all the time because otherwise you'd have... 50 advisors and <laughs> and no support staff. <laughs> well, you've got to find the clients and you've got to figure out if you can if you can do something for them. So yes. what would you say the big difference is? So um, when I was chatting to you about your personal journey, and I think um, you started in the mid-noughties um, yes. roughly. Um, so the, the, the new financial advisor coming through then versus the, the graduate financial planner that you're seeing, what kind of difference in type of personal mindset, if any, are you witnessing? It's... Interesting to hear what they're sort of taught in the studies uh, and in comparison to what it's actually like in real life. So I think the internship side of things is really important because you can have people sit down and learn. It's like with anything. It's you sit and learn something from a from a textbook or from a teacher or a lecturer 
but once you're actually in and living it and breathing it and and doing it, it's it, there's quite a contrast a lot of the time. So I think that from you know the noughties, it was very much an investment based kind of role, um, the advisor of of that kind of era. Even though there there were still the discussions around goals and things, but it was you know there was it was investment performance based and discussions around what had happened with portfolios and things, which I find is a complete shift and swing now. And the even from what Andrew commented on when he was at Curtin, you know, he said there is a lot of that conversation around the goals, purpose, you know, um, goals based advice and 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 really having that understanding and and the investment piece runs alongside of that. So Yeah, and I, I, and I, yeah. I think that that's 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 evolved hand in hand with fee for service and for um, sure. charging like professionals and, and and whatnot. So, in relation to uh, the interaction between y- y- yourself and and Gary and 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 it's Gary and Andrew, they're the, they're the the two heads of your business, with Gary mm-hmm. being the founder. Um, how do you operate with them? What do you have? Do you have uh, formal meetings? Do you do you run a board style? I'm just interested in 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 always asking how you're you're, you're working with with the founders because mm. quite often they're forceful, charismatic, and 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 kind of pretty pretty uh, strong characters. How do you work with with your team and anyone else who might have missed them? By the way, yes, yeah. So we we've got the boutique advisory board. So we meet each quarter uh, for that. So that's really important for us. And that sort of came about with us again moving to self license because it it makes sense to have that structure there. Uh, in terms of um, meetings, we sort of have functionality meetings each fortnight, which is the management team. Uh, so Monica, who is Gary's client manager and, and office manager, she's been my saving grace since I joined Boutique. She's the one who always checks in on me and makes sure I haven't, you know, banged my head against the wall or jumped out the window. So <laughs> uh, so we all get together, but Gary and I meet weekly. And But we're the kind of business that it, if things come up, you just you grab a room and you have a chat or uh but you know we've he's been a huge supporter of mine and also been a big part of my growth and development over the time that I've been here as well and I just you know between the two of us I think that we're a pretty great combo to sort of leap boutique into the next sort of era he's he's got his vision and he's got um his ideas for where things want to leave you know with lead with boutique but you know we're a generational business we're not looking to sell off we're, we're going to be here in 20 30 years time with the view that people that work here now will eventually be part owners of the business down the track so it's very much about a long-term vision and uh, there's a lot that uh, we feel aligned with uh, when we have those discussions as well about where to next for for the business Really powerful statement there, Belinda, and I feel that if I asked to, um, Gary that same question, that I get word for word the same answer. So there's a, there, there feels to be a real alignment there, and and this is the lady who started as admin and para planning and <laughs> customer service. So, you know, what I also like to ask with 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 practice managers um, and and GMs is what your vision for the future, um, and I suppose just to curate the vision of the future of the role that that, that you're currently in, um, yeah. and and how financial planning business of the futures will look through that lens. Yeah. I think having a role like an ops manager, general manager, practice manager, particularly once you get to a certain size is just paramount because the business owners need to be focusing on 
the business ownership. And like in Gary's case, he's also still advising and seeing clients. So very typical, got, very typical yes. of practices. So it's really important to have someone who's got that sort of more maybe an operational background or someone who's got that focus who can sort of look at things overall and really focus on different areas. I mean, my whole role sort of encompasses so many things and I basically just put the hat on of whoever it doesn't fit when something new comes up or or hits for the business. So the general manager, ops manager, practice manager role, my time, for example, is people, policies and processes, AFSL management, business management, marketing, compliance, tech stack, and then the overall operations of the business. So if you take me out of the picture, there's people that need to pick that up. And if you've we, we got- mentioned we mentioned how you might jump out of windows. So we <laughs> so if we weren't we would have to we'd have to wall up all the windows if you were out of the picture, I think, in uh, in Subiaco. Um, yes. And and um, Belinda, in relation to what um, a lot of people have just heard a bit about your your business, the way in which um, you're all in the one office, the way in which you promote you promote um, from graduates up your own story, um, the fact you've got purpose around giving, you've got programs, you've got structure, um, you're, you're you're big enough to be able to have those pieces of structure in, but you still are self licensed. You still take feedback from advisors. You. You've probably got feedback from from all sorts of people, whether it be the investments or the strategy, etc. What would you be looking for? So, if you could wave a magic wand as a call to action, um, what are the sort of things that, that you'd hope anyone who's listening to this podcast would get out of it? And if there is anything um, that you'd, you'd like to do, I'm sure that we can um, put some links in. Yeah. So, I think for us, the biggest thing is growth. Um, as you know, I explained that. Celebration of the 20 years this year coming up for us and the next step for us is is future growth. So it's be it bringing in another business or welcoming in, you know, new advisors to the team. Um, our refit is definitely going to support that, you know, that growth and everything for us. But I think we've done a lot of work around our website as well, trying to really showcase who we are as a business. Uh, we've got lots of information on there, on our socials. We're quite active uh, with in LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram and uh, not only sharing information and, and blogs and the likes from our advisors but also, you know, recognition of, of our team members and, the, and and things as well. And you'd be very open to um, uh, to to talk with someone who had some some clients where they currently are um, and, and w- would, would be looking to, to find a new home um, uh, that as you're not just all about organically growing from the bottom up. If you if there are people out there um, in 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 the the Perth area, then you'd be very happy to have a conversation with them. From what we spoke about earlier, yes, yeah, definitely. And yeah, as said, happy to talk to any talented, smart people that are looking, be it from a business perspective or or an individual perspective as well. So from today, I also uh, I've written a few notes down. Um, practice management forum. I'm sure it's not the first time that I'm going to be getting this. Um, and for everyone listening, uh, more resources um, in the middle office, more resources to the engine room that drive the advisor. So gone are the days where advisors make decisions in isolation. They make a decision with their team that's easy to implement because at the end of the day, uh, their clients need a great experience, and that's what they're paying. You know, increasingly more fees about. Um, Belinda, it was a pleasure to chat today. 
Um, thank you. It's uh, it's always good to 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 um, meet the people behind the people. And it, by the way, it sounds like your team um, and your leadership are very very supportive of you. And I find that that's a common a common theme. And I'm really happy to highlight the role of yourself and the um, and the role of boutique. And um, with that in mind, um, welcome and thank you for being part of the engine room. Thanks, Roxy. Really appreciate it. And yeah, um, I look forward to listening to the rest of the people that you've got lined up. Uh, I think it's going to be beneficial to all of us. Thank you very much. Should be a cracker. Have a great one. Bye. Thanks.